Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome back to Unbothered. Josh here today, and today we're going to be talking about Nuggets Heat. Uh, I think it's no less to say that this is a must-win for the Miami Heat tonight. They got to have this one. I'm going to get into that. The Broncos add Frank Clark from rival Kansas City Chiefs. Then ESPN uh, did this ranking of each team's sort of core players factored in production, age, all that. So I react to their rankings. And then Big Ten football, college football, Big Ten uh, made some made a big move yesterday in terms of how their uh, schedule and divisions are going to be moving forward, um, not this year, but the following year, starting twenty uh, in the 2024 season. And then Golden Knights, Panthers as well. So let's get into it. Nuggets, Heat, Game 4 uh, tonight. I'm going to say it again. I've been backing the Nuggets this whole series, and I'm not stopping tonight. I've got the Nuggets winning this game. Uh, the Nuggets, again, to me, haven't played one of their best games in the series. Uh, to me, the best game they've played in the playoffs. Again, I watched them play. Uh, was game six against the Phoenix Suns, and KCP was hitting shots. Jokic, Murray, they were so efficient. Everybody was. It was great. That, to me, was their greatest playoff game of this run so far. So their upside to me is very high, is higher than Miami. Uh, Miami's best game, uh, you know, is when Jimmy was dropping 40 and 50 against the Milwaukee Bucks, and they couldn't contain him. I do believe Jimmy Butler has run out of gas. And we've seen it before. Uh, LeBron in 2018. Uh, go through an Eastern Con- Eastern Conference gauntlet um, where he just put the team on his back. There was no other All-Stars with him. And he led him to the finals. And in the finals, of course, he was against the uh, great Warriors team and, again, was overmatched. But he also was out of gas. In 2007, uh, again, LeBron led a lowly Cavs team to the NBA Finals. No other stars with them, and ran out of gas. So it happens. I believe. I don't believe um, Jimmy Butler. I, I believe Jim. I should like to take, let me phrase it this way. I don't believe Jimmy Butler is capable of dropping a forty or fifty point game against this Denver Nuggets team. Uh, I believe Aaron Gordon. Uh, has the length to defend them. They switch. I think KCP can guard him. I think Jamal Murray is a terrible defender. He's not good. Uh, but he does his best when he is matched up. And that effort is what, you know, Michael Malone wants. And he gives you that effort. So their game plan has been to make Jimmy uh, work on both the offensive and defensive end. I believe it is vastly wearing on him. Uh, and we see that in the other guys haven't come along for the ride. Uh, Caleb Martin, who was sensational in the Eastern Conference Finals, is nowhere to be seen. He's nowhere. He's gone. He's vanished. Uh, Duncan Robinson um, had that spurt in Game 2, uh, in which is the game they won outside of that. The other two games, 
He's been relatively quiet. I feel Bam has been good, a little inefficient. Uh, gets points, though. Uh, and again, defensively, they can't do it. Um, so I believe this team is spent. Uh, I actually don't believe they win another game. I believe Denver wins tonight. Uh, I believe it'll be closer than the previous game. Uh, but Denver takes a 3-1 lead. The other thing that uh, I think is very confusing is Tyler Hero has, you know, still not been cleared to play. Uh, there was reports in the last series that he could be back by game three of the, of the finals. And then they said, hey, it could be um, game two, actually. Game two came around. It didn't happen. And they said, uh, hey, maybe game three now. Uh, but he just hasn't been cleared yet, uh, which to me is weird because he's been shooting, he's in warm-ups, he does everything, you know, there's no um, really restriction. He has some sort of, you know, hand and wrap tape on his hand when he's shooting, but to me he looks fine. Uh, So, you know, I think they need another... 20-point game, 20-point-per-game uh, score on their team. Uh, so, you know, that's, you know, a devastating injury to your team right there is to not have a player like that. So he's not clear tonight. I think they lose. I think Denver wins a closer game. And it was in uh, Game 3. But if Miami's going to win, it's going to be because Jimmy Butler has this virtuoso performance in which he drops 40 or 50 and he carries his team to a win because when he's doing all the right things, the team really buys in. They follow suit. They're knocking down shots. Jimmy's knocking down shots. And that's the way um, to win. But again, it's Miami's, to me, big one. They don't really have a big two or duo. I don't think Bam is at that level, whereas Denver has a best player in the world in Jokic and another top 15 player with him. So that's how you win. That's how they are winning. And it's great to watch. It really is. They win tonight. I believe they won the series. The series is over. Uh, by Monday night. Now let's move on to the NFL. The Chiefs during the offseason cut Frank Clark. So the Broncos went up and, you know, picked him up. And I think, you know, uh, the deal is like one year up to $7.5 million, five and a half guaranteed. I think it was a very... A good deal again, who turned 30. And what's crazy to me is he's a big, uh, big time postseason player. Now, you know, he started off his career uh, with the Seattle the Seahawks and, you know, had a, quite a few good seasons, uh, you know, 10 sacks, 9 sacks, 13 sacks. Uh, then he goes to uh, Kansas City. And he makes three straight Pro Bowls, uh, to me, with less numbers, less sack numbers than those uh, this year with Kansas City. 
this past year with Kansas City. Uh, he, to me, he didn't have a great regular season. Um, again, started every game, uh, but they rotated a bit more. But the one thing you count on for Frank Clark is he steps his game up in the postseason. Um, he has the third most sacks in postseason NFL history. Not the Chiefs history, but sacks in postseason history. He's got 13 and a half. Bruce Smith is two at 14 and a half. And then Willie McGinnis is there at 16. I don't think the Broncos are going to be making the playoffs um, this year. If they do, I think he'll add some more numbers. Maybe he'll pass the great Bruce Smith. But he's a big-time performer. Really stepped up there uh, with Chris Jones. I thought it was a great compliment to him. So the Broncos, who are retooling the team under Sean Payton, uh, you know, you know, said he's making moves to retool a thin roster. I think he's doing uh, a good job of that. They've done a good job this year. Again, uh, he's career, 58 and a half sacks for Frank Clark, 14 forced fumbles. It is a productive player. Now he's not, you know, a Miles Garrett or a player like that. But to me, on that deal, that is a good fit for the Denver Broncos moving forward. Uh, he's a winner. He's got the pedigree championship, uh, excuse me, championship, two Super Bowls there. So I think this deal works out. And sometimes when you see players stay in the division, um, they kind of up their ante uh, against the former team. So I think he'll bring his A game against the Chiefs. And then he's already familiar against the Raiders sets and the Chargers sets. So I think this will work out uh, for the Broncos. I think this was a great deal for them. Now I want to get into some NFL analytics. So ESPN did this uh, ranking of the NFL roster cores. And really what it was is the team's top five players. And again, they factor in production and age. So I'm going to go through it and react to it. Um, One uh, was the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, I totally agree with that. When you look at their core, it's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, uh, center Creed Humphrey, and guard Joe, Joe Tooney. Now, I, to me, I totally agree with this one. Um, you can't, I think, find five better players um, on a team than you can the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes, the best quarterback. Travis Kelsey, the best tight end. Mahomes in his prime. Travis Kelsey, uh, I think on the tail end of his prime, he's the oldest player of this five. Chris Jones in his prime. Creed Humphrey entering his prime. Joe Tooney in his prime. So you've got all these players in their athletic primes. Um, I really do think Patrick Mahomes is going to finish his career with four Super Bowls. I look at the teams this year. There are so many quality teams it's you know it's hard for teams uh, to repeat get back there, um, but with the Chiefs group that they have, the retooling that they do, 
again, they can do it, and that's why I ranked them. The other day on my podcast is I still think they'll be the number one seed. Now, number two is the Chiefs' main rival, and this team's main rival as well, the Cincinnati Bengals, another team I agree with. Joe Burrow entering his prime, I think, is the second-best quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Their wide receivers, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, are phenomenal. Uh, D.N. Trey Hendrickson, and then they signed Orlando Brown in the offseason. Hendrickson is a very, very good defensive end in his prime, and so is Orlando Brown. So they've got a very young team. Their average core of that group is 25.6, which is three years younger than the Chiefs. Uh, so they're built to stay. They're built to last. Uh, again, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow, those three are expecting big contracts, will command big contracts uh, here coming up. But this is a great, a great group. Philadelphia Eagles are at three, and I agree. To me, these are the three best teams in the NFL. Uh, this is where they really got it right. Jalen Hurts, quarterback, in his entering his prime. A.J. Brown in his prime. Lane Johnson, uh, tail end of his prime, getting older. Hassan Reddick, same with him, tail end of his prime, and same with Darius Slay. So it's a bit uh, older. It's kind of an elite uh, core, but, again, high. And, you know, you could play, replace those guys with players coming up. Uh, like a Devontae Smith. So, again, they're a great team, uh, great draft, great depth, uh, and I agree with this. Now, after this is where, to me, uh, I don't get it. So, the next one uh, is the Miami Dolphins at four. I don't So, there five players, again, are Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Jalen Ramsey, Teron Armstead. So, I can't say with confidence that this is the fourth best group, again, because of Tua's injuries. He hasn't played a full season. Uh, how can you be a core member of a team when you play half the games, when you're injury-prone? I don't like that, so I wouldn't have them that high. Uh, number five was the Buffalo Bills. Another one I thought was high. I get Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Matt Milano. But Von Miller, I feel like, is outside of his prime. Has had a few, you know, big injuries. Tredavious White is an older cornerback. I don't think he's in his prime anymore. Again, he's coming off ACL injury. I think he's kind of lost a step. Uh, so, again, those two rosters, you know, I wouldn't have that high. Honestly, I would have the Cowboys higher who are at six. Uh, yeah, I don't think Dak Prescott's the best quarterback. But you look at the other players in their prime, Micah Parsons, CeeDee Lamb, Zach Martin, Trevon Diggs, who just had a tremendous year after giving up a 1,000 years in pass coverage. That's a good core. You look at the Chargers, Justin Herbert entering his prime, uh, Keenan Allen, uh, Derwin James, one of the best safeties, Joey Bosa, Rashawn Slater, one of the best offensive tackles. Uh, to me, you can also throw in um, Mike Williams as well. This is a very good core that the Chargers have. The New York Jets, to me, it's crazy um, how their average core age is 26.8 and Aaron Rodgers is their quarterback at 39. What does that tell me? And then all those other guys are young. Sauce Gardner entering his second year. 
Garrett Wilson, his second year. Keenan Williams, still, uh, you know, on his rookie contract. Same with Elijah Vera Tucker. This group is very young, uh, even with Aaron Rodgers. This is a very good team, very good core. And I think, you know, with Aaron Rodgers being there, Shova guys for ropes, this core will be there for a long time outside of Aaron Rodgers. And then you can, I think, plug in another quarterback in this team, hopefully will still fit, still work. Baltimore Ravens are up there, 49ers. I'm okay with. Um, I would probably have the Jaguars out of the Browns. I thought the Browns were a bit too high, considering I don't think Deshaun Watson is that good anymore. I just don't. I would take the Jaguars core of Trevor Lawrence and their receivers over him. Other teams I thought were high were the Minnesota Vikings. Again, Kirk Cousins, uh, not a fan of their uh, Seattle Seahawks, Geno Smith, um, as well, Daniel Jones there with the Giants, the Saints. I thought it was just a crime to have Detroit, the Detroit Lions that low at 18. Now you're going to be like, oh, this guy's a Detroit Lions fan. But come on, you're not going to tell me you'd rather have Jared Goff, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Aiden Hutchinson, Panay Sewell, Jamison Williams over the Raiders with Jimmy G and the New Orleans Saints, Derek Carr, and Giants, Daniel Jones, and Jack Geno Smith. So, again, I thought that was very low, um, even considering teams like the Rams, who still have Cooper Cup, Aaron Jones, Matthew Stafford. Uh, so, again, some of their rankings I thought were a bit, um, you know, whack for me. Um, I thought the worst core was definitely the Arizona Cardinals, who was ranked last, and it's crazy to think that because I don't know how much higher they were in years past, but Kyler Murray, Marquise Brown, Buda Baker, Paris Johnson, uh, who just got drafted, and DJ Humphreys. Now I want to talk about college football, and in specific, the Big Ten. So... The Big Ten uh, made some, you know, key changes uh, yesterday um, in their schedule um, for the 2024 season uh, when USC and UCLA joined. And so what they did is they are ditching uh, divisions. So it's just going to be teams... 1 through 16, again, there's going to be no East, no West, nothing like that. I thought the East and West would actually have worked fine in this instance. Uh, Again, you know, I've talked about this before. I'm a fan of divisions. We have similar things like that in, um, you know, NHL, you know, NHL, NFL, you know, we have divisions. So I'm a fan of divisions. I like how the SEC kept divisions, even though they're adding in Oklahoma and Texas next year or in two years. Uh, So for the Big Ten, you know, we have the East, you know, and the West. Um, So I would have, you know, just moved two teams from the West over to the East because USC, UCLA would have joined the West. 
Um, I think USC is going to be a powerhouse there. Um, so again, uh, you know, I would have kept, I would have kept them, uh, in that group. I would have, uh, moved teams over into the West. Um, you know, the Indiana, you know, and, uh, you know, Purdue, I believe Purdue, uh, plays in Indiana. Those are the two teams that I would have, uh, moved. Uh, why? Because you kind of have that Michigan dividing line where, you know, you have the lake there. So you have Wisconsin on top of Illinois. And then, and, you know, anything west of that moves over. So, again, I would have moved over Indiana and Purdue um, into the west. Now, again, those aren't – actually, Indiana's already in there. My bad. I, I would have moved over Purdue uh, for sure. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe Wisconsin. Wisconsin, to me, feels more – East in the Big Ten when I think of Lambeau Field, so maybe I'd move over Wisconsin and Purdue. Uh, again, Purdue had one good year. I don't think they're a great team. Uh, but again, that's how I would have done it. And then USC, UCLA over there. Uh, but they're not doing that. Um, again, they are having n- not no more divisions. But they are having 11 protected games. Uh, So uh, those are games that will be played every year, regardless of things. You know, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, UCLA, Michigan, Michigan State, of course, is the only one that gets like two protected games against the rivals. Indiana, Purdue, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, Illinois, Purdue. So you have that. And then what they're doing is every Big Ten matchup will take place twice in a four-year span, one at each home state. Um, So, again, USC and UCLA will face every Big Ten team before the end of 2025. And, again, the same Big Ten will play once in L.A. in that same span. Um, So, again, eliminating divisions. What does that mean? At the end of the day, you're going to have the two best teams play each other for the conference title. So it could be an Ohio State-Michigan rematch at the end of the year. That's, you know, what it could be is it could be that game being played. So you're, again, having those two best teams. So it's not Purdue-Michigan or Iowa-Michigan. It's going to be Ohio State-Michigan again. Now, the downside of this is, again, you get some, you know, could get a lot of weird tiebreaker scenarios if quite a few teams have only one conference loss. That could get very uh, messy. But we'll see, um, again, how this looks uh, for them. And I've just got to say, I think Michigan has an absolute dime. Now, everybody picked on... Uh, Michigan's uh, schedule last year. They're picking on it this year for how weak it is. 
and I don't want to hear uh, any more after this year how they have an easy schedule because next year uh, they're playing Texas, they're playing UCLA, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Ohio State, USC. That's a gauntlet. That are very those are very tough games, uh, and it's crazy because I think Penn State. As the other tough one where they play all of them, I don't think they play Ohio State, but they play the USC-UCLA. So Michigan kind of gets to me, I think, you know, the big three of uh, UCLA, Ohio State, USC. They have to travel to USC. So it's going to be very difficult uh, after this year. Uh, a lot of change coming. This is the last regular year. For college football, or at least how we've known it for the past 10 years um, since kind of this playoff uh, format. After this year, things are changing in college football drastically. It's the Big Ten division shakeup. It's the SEC division shakeup. It's college football expansion. So I'm really going to enjoy this. I've uh, been telling my family, I'm saying, hey, this is Michigan's Best shot right now this year with this team coming back. This is their best shot to win a national championship, considering, um, you know, the turnover quarterback for Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, uh, USC, and Michigan, to me, are the top two of the top five teams that had their quarterback returning, which is huge in college football. Um, and again, Michigan. I'm not going to lie, they do have an easy schedule this year. Uh, and to me, they've got to they got to take advantage of it. They're not going to have East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green to start the year at home. They also get Ohio State at home this year. Um, so enjoy this season. Uh, they better win it this year. Again, I'm going to pick them to win it this year. Uh, and... We'll see how that goes, uh, but it, it gets rough uh, moving forward for the Big Ten. So a lot of changes happen in college football. Then, lastly, I want to correct something I just spoke about yesterday. So it's on me, and I don't think I've done this, but I'll apologize. I picked the pan. Or I picked the Golden Knights to beat the Panthers yesterday. And my reasoning was the Florida was switching goaltenders. And I didn't read the full article. I read a headline, and I thought Bob Roski for the Panthers was going to get, you know, benched and they were going to bring in a different goalie. I read that wrong, and they were staying with him. So I want to apologize for that because I picked the Golden Knights. Uh, if I would have known, hey, Bob Roski was staying, I probably would have picked the Panthers. Uh, again, that was the majority of my logic. So I apologize. Uh, Florida Panthers did win. Uh, very, very good game. A good game. Kachuk scored with about two minutes left, and then Verhage scored five minutes into overtime. And Florida made it a series. So congratulations uh, to them. Um, game six, or my bad, game four is tomorrow in Florida. Uh, but what after I saw last night, you know, a couple good bounces for Florida. Uh, they were desperate. They were in attack mode. But I thought Vegas controlled the majority of this game. 
definitely think they're a very good team. I think they are the better team, and I'm going to pick them to win game four tomorrow, and then they'll win game five. So I think both the NBA Finals and NHL Finals will be done in game fives. Both home teams win win in their home arenas, and that's how I have that shaping up. So this has been Unbothered. Tonight, Nuggets Heat game four. Who do you got? I'm rolling with the Nuggets still. Hope you all have a great weekend. Bye, everybody.